Good news of great joy I bring to you today, salvation not just for one nation, but for all. The Word of God that I'd like to study with you this morning as we celebrate Epiphany or the revelation or the light of God for our salvation is the Old Testament reading from Numbers 24. That's printed out in your worship folder, just a few verses, but we'll, we'll study the context in just a little bit. Let me start by asking, what or whom do you follow? I know you're not all on social media, but Social media is all about following people, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. You follow your family and friends because you love them and you want to see pictures and hear what's going on in their life. You follow celebrities like your favorite athletes or musicians or movie stars, probably because you think they're cool and you want to see what's going on in their life and maybe even be like them a little bit. A lot of people follow just influencers, they're called now, or content creators because they give you tips and tricks and hacks for life. For life. Even if you're not on social media, you follow somebody else's influence on your life. So who influences you? Whom do you follow? It it might be some of those same people on social media. You likely follow your favorite news channel. You follow the concepts and the ideas of this world which are constantly changing and, and maybe you feel the need to fit in or stay modern, keep up to date. You listen to your family and friends because you trust that they love you and and they want what's best for you. And whether you've come to admit it or not, you, you follow your parents. You become like them for good and bad. And then the last one that I haven't mentioned yet is yourself. In fact, it it might be the world, or it might be your family and friends, or it might be your parents that that even encourage you, just follow your heart, follow your dreams. You can be and do anything that you want to be, and yourself loves to hear that, and it agrees, yes, I'm going to do what I think, or what I feel, or what I have decided is best. Well, as my father-in-law used to ask, how's that working out for you? Because all of those people that I mentioned, including ourselves and the family and friends who love us and, and anyone else that might influence us, they're all sinful human beings. And regardless of whether they have good intentions or they just want power and influence for themselves, because of the sin, they're likely to mislead you. Which is why today the Holy Spirit encourages us to follow something or rather someone else. It's, it's different. Today the Spirit encourages us to follow the star. Now our reading in Numbers chapter 24 is probably a little bit out of context for you. If I asked you to tell me about Balak and Balaam, anyone? I haven't found anyone that can tell me the story yet. Understandable, it's not a super familiar one, although you might remember Balaam's talking donkey. 
And when you go home today, you can go back and read Numbers chapter 20, but let me tell you where we are in history. There's a little map here that shows you, I don't know how easy it is to read, but on the bottom left, there's Egypt, and then the water on the very bottom, that's the Red Sea. So you likely remember that Moses led the nation of Israel out of Egypt, and they went across the Red Sea. Remember, Moses parted the waters, and Pharaoh and his army, they drowned in the Red Sea. And then they went up to the edge of the Promised Land, which is... Canaan at the time, and today it's known as Israel, obviously, in the news a lot. So on the far top left, that's the Mediterranean Sea. And then if you start at the top on the right, that little lake, that's the Sea of Galilee. And the line that comes south of it, that's the Jordan River. And then the bigger lake, that's the Dead Sea. So you, you may be here from the river to the sea. Well, the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea in between there, and it says Canaan, but that's modern day Israel, where all the war is happening, Gaza and all of that. Okay? Moses was supposed to lead the people out of Egypt into the promised land, but when they got to the edge, you probably remember, they sent in 12 spies. Two of the spies said, we can do it. Bonus points if you can remember their names. Caleb and Joshua, very good. The other 10 said, no, the people are too big, they're too strong, we'll never be able to overtake them, in spite of all the miracles they had seen. So God got a little angry and said, if you don't trust me, fine. Turn around and you wander around in the wilderness. So between Egypt and the promised land, I think there's almost a little circle there, for 40 years. And God said, until that current generation dies, 40 years, you're going to wander around. When we get to Numbers, we're at the end of that 40 years. And Moses is still alive. He's still leading the people. And now they're heading back toward the promised land. But they're going to go around the east side of the Jordan River and then enter. So Jericho is the first city. And, and they, they go over the Jordan River or through it, really. And then they conquer Jericho. But this is before that. And you can see on the bottom right of the Dead Sea, it says Moab. That's where we are in Numbers 20. The Israelites have conquered any of the nations that, that really have opposed them along the way. And, and they're becoming pretty well known in the area of this nation that's led by the Lord. They know the name of their God. And, and people are afraid. And so when they get to the edge of Moab, the king is Balak. It's hard to keep the names because they're very similar. The K, Balak. And the king, he's afraid. He probably realizes that his nation will be destroyed by Israel like all of the rest. So he comes up with a plan. He decides that he's going to hire a false prophet named Balaam. That's the name that you see in Numbers 24. Balaam, he's kind of like the guy that you would call today 1-800-BALAAM. And he would tell you your future or read your palm or like on Harry Potter, he'd look in the tea leaves and, and tell you what's going to happen, omens and sorcery and divination. He's, he's that kind of guy. He, he's not a true prophet. And yet, God is going to use him for God's purposes. He tells Balaam, it's a little bit of a ruse, or, I'm sorry, he tells Balak, the king, I can't help you. If the Lord is their God, I cannot speak against the Lord. I can only tell you what he tells me to say. And at first, he, he pretends like he doesn't want to go, but he really does because Balak's offering him a lot of money. 
So eventually he goes, and that's where the donkey comes in. He's not supposed to go, and along the way, the donkey sees the angel of the Lord, and the donkey's trying to avoid the angel because he wants to avoid death, and Balaam starts beating the donkey, and the donkey says, why are you beating me? I didn't do anything wrong. And and then Balaam sees the angel of the Lord, and the angel tells him, "If, if your donkey hadn't stopped, I would have killed you. But now God says, go ahead. And instead of cursing the Israelites, Balaam blesses them. And Balak says, I didn't hire you to bless them. You're supposed to curse them. Maybe if we go over there and you see them from a different vantage point, then you will curse them. So he says, well, I can only do what God says. They go to the new spot. Second time, same thing happens. Third time, same thing happens. He keeps blessing the people instead of cursing them. The fourth time is where we get to our verses. And and you can tell Balaam, he thinks a lot of himself. He says, this is the prophecy of Balaam, one who sees clearly, hears the words of God, has knowledge of the Most High, sees a vision from the Almighty, falls down, falls prostrate, and his eyes are open. But then he gives this unique prophecy about a star. This is what he said. I see him, but not now, meaning this is off in the future. I behold him, but not near. Again, off in the future. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. I might have missed it. I don't know if there's any other place in the Bible that refers to Jesus as a star. So does this... What is he talking about? Now, on the one hand, if I asked you, what's a star? You might think, well, that's a celebrity. That's a famous person, right? We call them movie stars or the athletes. We we call these famous people stars. So is he saying that a famous celebrity will come out of the family of Jacob or the land of Israel? Maybe. That could fit. But if I just asked you, what's a star? You would probably say, what's one of those balls of gas up in the sky at nighttime that we see that gives off light. But a star in the space can't come out of a person or a country. One commentator suggested that he's called a star because stars live in the heavens and that means he'll be God. And the scepter tells us that he'll be a king That's confirmed in Genesis 49 when Jacob was blessing his 12 sons and he told Judah that a scepter would would not leave his his house. That's the royal line of David eventually. And that because he's from the family of Jacob or the, the nation of Israel, he would be human. Well, Jesus certainly fits all of that, doesn't he? We just celebrated the birth of the Son of God who was born as a human being of the Virgin Mary from the house and line of King David. Now, I don't know about matching up the star and the king, but everyone agrees that this is what's called a messianic prophecy, meaning it points to the Messiah, and we know, looking back, that's Christ. The question is, how is Jesus like a star? Now, the scepter part, the king, that's easy. The job of a king is to fight for his people and to lead them. Right after this, 
we hear the history that Moab was destroyed and, and eventually Joshua leads the nation of Israel into the land of Canaan and they, they conquer all of the enemies, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, all the ites that lived in the land. But, but we know that Jesus didn't come to lead a physical army and to destroy earthly nations and, and to establish the land of Israel. That's, that's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to defeat our spiritual enemies. Who are they? Now, from catechism, you might remember the unholy trinity, the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh. But how often do you think about the way they attack you? The devil, everyone would agree, that's our greatest enemy, right? The devil is trying to tempt us into sin and take us to hell. But do we realize that the devil is behind every lie that you and I are tempted to actually believe? Who do you think planted the idea that God did not create male and female, but you can choose whatever gender you want to be, and if you want to be a dog or a cat or a rabbit or an elf, you can do that too. Who do you think planted the idea that a child in the mother's womb is not a separate human being, but is part of the mom, and she can do whatever she wants with her own body? In fact, who gave the idea that it's your body and it's your choice? You can do whatever you want, period. Isn't the devil behind all of those lies? And and hasn't the world partnered with the devil to convince you to believe them? I, I bet that all of you, at this point in history, you all probably know somebody personally, at least know of somebody who's struggling with questions of abortion or sexuality or marriage. And because we love those people, and God does too, those who are struggling, it becomes easy in love, it's loving to condone what God condemns. And then our sinful nature kicks in and says, me too. I want to indulge in all of the pleasures and treasures of the world. Why should I have to wait until I'm married to show someone how much I love them? Why why should I have to spend more time worshiping God when I could be having all kinds of fun or relaxing at home? Why, Why shouldn't I work hard to earn as much money as I can so I can buy as much stuff as I can or or work hard so I can become the best in my activity or or sport. And the devil says, well, there's nothing wrong with loving someone, and there's nothing wrong with making money, and there's nothing wrong with doing your best at some activity or sport, and and yet all of that, all of it, it leads us away from God. And the devil's trying to use even things that are not outright sinful to convince you that your life is focused on you. I know it's probably not exciting to you, but my daughter's got an important history test this week, and I I started studying with her yesterday. We're reading in the early 1800s U.S. history, and I learned about romanticism. It's not love like romantic. It's the idea that the country at that time was beginning to focus less on the group of people, on us, 
and more on the individual. And then came transcendentalism, which meant that it's not just all about you, but that you can fulfill yourself by indulging in all of these pleasures and treasures of the world. That was 200 years ago. And now what? It's the same story. Jesus came to defeat those enemies. Jesus is the one who speaks the truth in the face of the devil's lies. And it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when the devil convinced Adam and Eve that if they just took what God had forbidden, that they would have some kind of pleasure and some kind of knowledge and some kind of blessing that God didn't want to give them. But as I asked you earlier, how is that working out for you? It never works. The truth is that God is the only one who can give you eternal joy. Everything that this world has to offer, everything that the devil can possibly give you, every pleasure that you can indulge your body in, at the very best, it's temporary. In fact, have you lost your Christmas joy already? Next week, the trees will all be gone. Hopefully, somebody will come back and help us take those down today. Probably your house, they're already gone. The presents are put away. The, everybody went back to school and work, right? The fun's gone. I, I finally had to throw out all the cookies because I don't need to eat those anymore. If you didn't find joy in Christ, your Christmas joy, it's, it's evaporated. What are you waiting for next? Only Christ can give you eternal joy. Only Christ can promise you a world where sin no longer deceives you into thinking that what I can have right now is better than what he promises later. Only Jesus loves you so much that he left his throne in heaven and was born as a human child so that he could suffer and die for you. Do you think anybody on YouTube cares about you? Your favorite athletes don't know who you are. Your favorite musicians and movie stars, they couldn't care a lick. All they want to do is use you for their own power or their own wealth. Only Jesus offers to give you something rather than to take. Only Jesus offered his life to pay for your sin. Only Jesus conquered death by rising from the dead. And only Jesus ascended back into heaven and promises to come back and take you to be with him. So how does that make him a star? It's because he's the only one that can guide your way to the eternal joys of God in heaven. The wise men, they had to follow a light in the sky. And I don't know what that was. Maybe it was a a natural star like a comet or planets coming together or or some other star that we don't know about. Or, Or maybe it was just a miracle, but all they had was this light and Perhaps this one passage from Numbers 24. And they followed it. Jesus is even a better star than that. Jesus is the light of the world who shows us the path to heaven. But but he's not just this distant light. He wants to guide you. He wants to go with you. And so he promises not just to be out in front, but to be right beside you. So how exactly then do you follow this star? First, you have to find it. And there's only one place that you can find this star, and that's in the scriptures. Jesus said, these are the scriptures that testify about me. I want to challenge you at the beginning of the year to search the scriptures for 
the star. I don't care how you do it. You can follow our Bible reading plan. That's a great place to start. You can decide to read your entire Bible throughout the year, or if you use the meditations booklet at the bottom, there's, there's references. You can pick any plan that you want, but here's my suggestion. As you read through Scripture this year, look for Christ. I'll give you an example. Last night, my family, we read Deuteronomy, I think it was chapter 15, and it seems like it was all about these Old Testament laws that have nothing to do with us. The first one said that every seven years, if somebody owes you money, you have to release their debt. And the second one said, if you have any slaves, or we might want to call them servants, after seven years, you have to let them go free. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did for you? He paid your debt of sin, and he freed you from slavery to sin, death, and the devil? That's what I mean. Just every time you read, ask the Holy Spirit to help you find Christ. That's the easy part. And then follow the star in life. When you find Christ in the Scriptures, ask the Spirit to give you faith to believe that the truth of God's Word is real truth as opposed to the lies of the devil or the world or our sinful flesh. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you faith, not just to believe that's true, but to actually believe it so fervently that you're willing to follow it, even when it leads you down a road that you didn't expect or that you really didn't want. And I don't know what path you're going on this year. You probably will find at some point a path that, uh, that's not what I wanted. It's especially then when the Spirit wants you to follow Christ as the star. I have nothing against social media. If you want to pay attention to your famous athletes and musicians and and movie stars, okay. If you appreciate the tips, tricks, and hacks of life that some influencer gives you, okay. But be careful whom your heart is following. There is only one who has taken away your sin. There is only one who has blazed the path to heaven. And there is only one who promises to walk with you even through the valley of the shadow of death until he brings you home into eternal joy. Follow him. The star that came out of Jacob, the the scepter that rose out of Israel. Follow Jesus, your Savior. Amen.